0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hi, this is Joe Castellano from the SportsVirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring our regular guest, two-time World Series champion, former Giants reliever, George Contos.
0: Gabe Kapler is not Bruce Bochy, so he's going to run things his way, and I'm sure with Farhan, they've had their discussions on what the best course of action is for the ball club.
1: Inside China Basin is brought to you by Kane's Tire in San Rafael, the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Well, good morning, George, and fasten your seatbelts. 12 games to go as we do this podcast this morning for the San Francisco Giants and the Dodgers with the Giants one game in front. Uh, This is going to be a wild ride. The whole season has been, it's been such a great race and now it comes down to the nitty gritty, doesn't it?
0: I think it always kind of, whenever your team's in contention and and things are going well, unless you completely run away with the division, um, like we were fortunate enough to do in 2012, it it always gets very exciting those last seven to 10 games. I, I think we've talked about it before, but you kind of get through the first 155 games of the season, and then when it's a tight, close race, things really get electric and exciting these last seven day, seven games.
1: You know, in the media and even fans, we always look at the schedule and kind of map it out. Okay, they can get some wins here. This team's easier than that team. And you look at the Giants playing three in San Diego, then three against a Rockies team that always plays well at home, and then finishing up with six uh, at home three against the Diamondbacks, who have had a miserable season, and then again the Padres, a lot of Padres down the stretch. As a player, how do you look at a schedule? Because you know that any team out there can beat you on any given day.
0: Of course. uh, You know, it it all depends on who comes in ready to play that day, and and there are games like we've talked about all season with this team. There are games that you feel like you should win, uh, but right now I would – imagine that those guys in that clubhouse are looking at it in in a very much like a playoff atmosphere where you have to come in and win every game it doesn't matter who you're playing against they know who's on the schedule but at this point I don't think it matters I think that you have to go out there and expect to win every game because you know the Dodgers are not going to stop applying pressure and you have to go out there and just play the type of baseball that you've played all season I think that's kind of what's going on in the clubhouse guys are coming in right now Every Every day, they're doing their work, getting ready to play a, a game that they know is going to be a, a tight game, and they're expecting to go out and win every single game.
1: Seems like these two teams, the Giants and Dodgers, have been pushing each other all year because, I mean, I'm sure from a Dodgers perspective, it seems like the Giants never lose, and from a Giants perspective, it really seems like the Dodgers never lose. I don't know how often you would be scoreboard watching as a player during the game, but certainly these last 12 games, I would think that you would. You've got the Dodgers playing in Colorado for three, Arizona for three, and then they're home for three against San Diego, and then three against the Brewers team that has already wrapped up its division.
0: I think whenever you're you're coming down to the end of the season, especially with teams that you might face in the postseason, you definitely have to play good baseball. And I and I think that for the Giants, it's going to come down to that that same postseason lineup you'd expect to see every day the last week of the season, because what you want to try and secure is winning the division, right? And, and I think the Giants and the Dodgers have that in their mindset right now, um, and you want to do everything you can to avoid that one-game elimination wild-card game, uh, only because it would be such a shame to come this far on both teams. Both teams have had great seasons, and then just have something happen in a goofy one-game playoff.
1: can only hope that the Brewers, the last three games, at least you know play it where they're still trying to beat the Dodgers, because it's going to come down to those last three games for both teams.
0: Absolutely, I think that you you try to, the, from my perspective, you you definitely want to maybe try and give guys a little bit of a breather, but you also want to keep guys on regular rest. You want to give them at bats coming into it. You don't want to start, you know, conserving energy uh, because that can kind of get you a little bit out of whack when when you're used to pitching on on five days rest. When you're used to getting those abs and those reps, uh, when you start messing with that and messing with the routine of players, uh, from what I've found over the years, that can get a little bit dicey. But um, I could definitely see, you know, some some of these teams, like the Brewers, maybe resting some of their bullpen arms. But I would imagine their their starters are going to be kind of out there in that 75 to 90 pitch count and keeping everybody on, on what they've been used to throughout the course of the season.
1: How about the other side of that, George, uh, with the Giants? Because they've got some players that normally they would rest, especially Buster Posey. But now when you have two weeks to go, In the season, you're sprinting towards the finish line. I would think that you're not really going to have any rest for anybody, and I would think that that could be a challenge for those veteran players who are used to getting a little rest here and there when you go down the stretch. I mean, it's the end of a long season, and you want to be ready for the postseason, too.
0: Absolutely. I think that you have to take the the little kid gloves off now, and I use that term very loosely, not that they've been treating anybody with little kid gloves, but you definitely want to try and get your guys like Buster and, and Craw and. Now, some guys who are uh, getting, you know, a little bit older in baseball age, some of their breathing room, um, but I think until you secure the division title, you are absolutely not going to give guys really the the breaks. You want to try and go out there and put your best lineup out there every night, and if they are fortunate enough to maybe win the division with four or five games left, that's when you maybe start giving guys a little bit of a breather into getting into the postseason, but I don't see how they're really going to um, let off of the, of the best lineup day in and day out until they have secured that division title.
1: I want to talk to you about the bullpen because the bullpen has been used a lot this year. Are you surprised at all that these guys haven't run out of gas? Uh, you must be pretty impressed. And what do you do now, especially at the closer spot, because McGee is out with an injury, uh, and it looks like you know it could be closer by committee. Maybe Leon gets that spot. I mean, he started some games. Maybe he closes it out. I mean, this is going to be interesting down the stretch.
0: I think it's absolutely going to be interesting. I think McGee hopefully is is on the much lesser end of the spectrum with that oblique strain. And I, and I think once he comes back, um, you know, you, you, you hope that he slides right back into that ninth inning role, which I would expect him to, but the great part about this bullpen, it reminds me a lot of some of the bullpens that I was a part of uh, with, with my San Francisco giant teams is, is you have a lot of guys who put their egos aside and they want to come in and just get out wherever they may be. And that, I know, I think we, we kind of did a little bit of a closer by committee uh, in the 2014 uh, World Series, um, you know, when Bum wasn't closing every, every game out for us. But um, I think the guys that are, are having a ton of, of uh, confidence in one another and, and the, uh, the coaching staff, whether it's Bailey or Cap, guys are, are just having sh- and showing a lot of confidence in whoever's coming in. And, and the guys have been throwing well. I, I can see three, four guys that have the ability to go out there and pitch in the ninth inning. And when, it, when you have that many options that you can choose from, you're usually sitting in a good position.
1: Do you think some of what these guys do in the off season is paying off now? I mean, to be able to get to this point and get used as much as they have. There have been quite a few of these bullpen games. So, you know, the relievers, it seems like they're getting used more than normal. Uh, so was it maybe a preparation thing for them to be able to succeed, uh, you know, to get to this point in the season and not run out of gas?
0: I, I think right now guys are, are running off of the, the consistency of their workload, right? You're already used to the workload at this point. And I think what what's going to happen is once this season's over, and I hope that is at the beginning of November when they're standing with another trophy um, in, in, that, in the organization. But the, from my experiences, when you hit that, that off season and you start decompressing, you really start to feel the extent of the workload from the season. I mean, there were a couple of years now, I threw 65 games, 67 games. I threw one sixty four game season. And you sit down those first two weeks when the season's over, and you're just tired. You know, Right now the guys still have a job to do. They're still mentally ready to go. They, they still get those those uh, butterflies, that adrenaline that fuels you, keeps you feeling fresh. But once you kind of let the mental guard down once the season's over, you really start to feel tired. And um, I think the guys, especially Tyler Rogers, who has done a fantastic job this year of keeping himself Uh, ready and fresh um, that's when you're really going to start to see it but right now these guys are kind of just on cruise control as long as they can stay healthy uh, the ups and downs really at this point are going to start being overshadowed by the adrenaline and the excitement of the last week of the season and into the postseason.
1: We'll have more with former Giants reliever George Contos right after this. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Cane's Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Cane's has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Cane's prices beat Costco's prices every time. Kane's Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give them a call at 415 453 that's 415 453 2942 for Kane's tire. You know, you think about uh, you know, long season and it's nice to have those light moments especially when there's a lot of pressure on a team and we saw one of those in the last uh, exciting game on Friday night uh, you know, it was just that was a thrilling game that the Giants had to be able to pull it out against the Atlanta Braves and Kevin Gosman had the sack fly. In that game. And it just is one of those moments where, you know, I think the pressure was was off. He's the last guy on the bench that that they could use or, you know, they don't have any more position players to pitch hit, And he comes through with a sack fly. And it was just a joyful moment for the Giants to win a game like that. Uh, Does that really help the team when you're under so much pressure for so much time?
0: Of course it does. You know, it definitely takes the pressure off of the guys who have been used that, you know, there are no more position players. And and I think it makes a guy like Kevin Gaussman just, you know, feel that much better about contributing in a way that he's not really used to contributing. And I think everyone's all smiles and, and whenever you can win games like that, it just takes a little bit of pressure off of, oh man, we lost a tough one versus we're going in there, playing, playing music. Everyone's in good spirits. And that trickles over to the next game where it's back to work again, as opposed to coming in, having maybe lost that game. And you feel a little bit of the pressure of the Dodgers nipping you right, right behind on your heels. And uh, I think whenever you can get wins like that from very unlikely people or, or uh, uh, guys you wouldn't expect, it's it's only a plus for the confidence and the uh, morale of the team.
1: Yeah, and the veterans seem to know how to have some fun with some things because there was the the whole Brandon Belt captain deal uh, where he put, where well, the C was put on his jersey by Evan Longoria just for fun. Well, Belt kept it on there. And, I mean, that was a lot of fun. And I don't know that other teams would have gotten away with that. Let's say the Yankees. I don't know that somebody could have put a C on their jersey and then around Major League Baseball, I don't know what the talk would have been with, with the Giants. I mean, they got away with it and it was fun and it seemed like just a, a cool thing that happened.
0: Yeah, they get away with it because you have the personalities in that clubhouse are not of uh, of guys who kind of demand uh, big egos. You know, Buster Posey, Brandon Cropper, Brandon Belt, Longoria, those guys are all unbelievable good team leaders, but without the kind of outspoken, um, you know, leadership personality of the superstars that you would expect, right? They're all having a ton of fun with it. They're all selfless players that, that love playing together. And, you know, any one of those guys, if they were to say something in the clubhouse, they would have the attention of every single player that's sitting in there with them. And I think that's such a great, um, you know, thing thing to have in your clubhouse where you're not just looking at one guy to be the guy. I think that it's awesome when you can have fun like that, and everyone knows from the outside looking in that the ego is all in good fun, and it's not a real thing. If that makes sense?
1: Yeah, no, it was not a real thing. Uh, and Belt kind of has a dry sense of humor, doesn't he? I mean, he's not a guy who's like real outspoken, but uh, you know, it was kind of deadpan the way he was acting. Like, yeah, you know, I'm the I'm the alpha male on this team.
0: Oh, it's such a good dry sense of humor. He he's a, he's a super funny guy and and a lot of people don't see that side of him because he doesn't really have or show that much emotion while he's playing, you know. He'll strike out on something and if he disagrees with the call, he'll still just kind of mumble something to the umpire then walk back to the to the uh, you know, dugout or or he'll do something huge and, you know, he might crack a little smile and be excited, but he's not that really um energetic guy uh on the field but he he definitely is such a fun guy he's got one of those good sense of humor you can always have a a good joke and a playful time with Bill um and he's there to work and and I I know that a lot of times in the past people have kind of gotten on him because they would love to see more emotion out of him but that's just the way he is he's always out there working hard trying as best he can and when things go well or when things go don't well or, or when things don't go well excuse me uh you know you really can't tell much of a difference difference in his emotions
1: Let's talk about the National League MVP because uh, Brandon Crawford is not getting a lot of love nationally. I mean, every time I read a story, it's a lot of other guys. You know, guys who have great numbers, of course. I mean, I looked at the last uh, list I saw had Juan Soto, Max Muncie, Freddie Freeman. These guys are all having great seasons. Uh, Fernando Tatis. And uh, really, Bryce Harper is sort of the front runner, but no Brandon Crawford. And I think he should be right up there, if not the MVP. His numbers are really good. The way he's played shortstop and led this team, I mean, he he's on top of his game defensively. And this is the best team in baseball right now. So I don't know why, George, why he's not being considered as one of the top candidates. What do you think?
0: Well, first of all, I completely agree with you. I think that if you take Brandon Crawford out of this team right now, I don't know that you can confidently say that they'd be in first place in the NL West. Um, He's been been such a, a jolt of energy for this team. He plays the best defensive shortstop that I've ever seen, and obviously I'm biased. The guy played behind me for six years, and I got to witness this every day, but he's always never, in my opinion, been given the credit that he deserves. I mean, in my opinion, he's a lock for the gold glove at shortstop this year He's having a career year. Um, and really in the, the MVP award is the most valuable player of your team. And, and when your team is the best guy, best team in baseball, and he's the best guy on your team, the way he's played this year, I think that is literally what the definition of that award is. So I, I think he um, is, is a guy who's a little bit under the radar consistently throughout his career. But he's definitely making noise this year. And the best part about Brandon Crawford is I know he'd love to win an MVP. That would be fantastic for him. But I think he would, would love to win a world, another World Series uh, if you'd ask him more than that MVP award. So I, I think he definitely um, deserves to be in that equation uh, and that conversation. But um, for him, it's all about winning.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people on the East Coast just don't get to see him as much. We talked about that with the Giants, being that it's so late East Coast time when the Giants are playing. But when you see Craw play every day at shortstop, you get such an appreciation. And there's so many plays this year that you just marvel at. I remember when I first saw him, and you know he made a play up the middle where he spun, you know, did one of those 360s, and he threw out Carl Crawford, who's, who at the time was one of the fastest runners in the game. Uh, he does that, and you just raise your eyebrows. Were there times when you were pitching, you turned around, and you saw him make a play? You just marveled at, uh, that he was able to do it.
0: Oh, my gosh, absolutely. I, I think I've spoken about this before a few times, but in the 2012 NLDS against the Cincinnati Reds, it was game one. I came in the game with uh, one out, guys on first and second, and um, it's a replaced bum in the sixth inning, I believe. And I threw a first-pitch slider to Ryan Ludwig. And he pulled the slider almost, you know, in the five-hole in between shortstop and third base. And Craw went probably four or five steps to his right, somehow got in front of the ball, planted his foot, and then fired a quick strike to Scudero, and we turned to double play there. Hmm. I, I was obviously ecstatic, um, but I was walking off the field, and the camera just caught me. And I just said, holy cow, I can't believe <laughs> make that play like I was just in awe watching it from that close and I just always would find myself saying that and thinking that when when Brandon Crawford makes these plays I mean there was a play the other day that he made uh where Chris Bryant was shifted and it was up the middle and he dove and glove flipped it to, to Bryant at second base and that play for how easy he made it look is so difficult I mean he just he's athletic he is fundamentally as sound as they come uh the guy the guy I'm very I'm very happy that they made the right decision in re in re-signing him and extending him for a couple more years because there's nobody in the big leagues I think that uh, can patrol shortstop as well as he can.
1: Yeah, he's so calm, cool and collected out there. And the thing is, you kind of take it for granted, George, like you you just expect him to make all these plays. You know, same thing at first base with Brandon Belt. How many times has he saved an infielder, Crawford or even Longoria or anybody from an error? He digs balls out of first base and acts like it's no big deal. Those are not easy to dig out.
0: They're not easy easy to dig out, and I hope I hope that before Belt's career is over, he gets the Gold Gloves because he definitely deserves them. Like you said, he uh, he has picked up so many guys, and his ability to scoop scoop from the grass or the the very very close short hop uh, he's he's absolutely better than most, if not the best.
1: Now speaking of defense, it, you know it kind of is under, underrated in baseball, and you can't always control who you're putting out there. You're trying to put out the best lineup to score runs, you know. And with the Giants, it seems like when they have those left-handed hitters in there in the outfield, those guys are your best defensive outfielders that you could put out there. You know, when you have Duggar out there and you have Yastrzemski out there, I mean that seems to work out really well. Uh, but you know, with with Chris Bryant, I give him a lot of credit because he can play different positions. But for him right now, I think he's a little uncomfortable in right field, and I can't blame him because that is not a place that you get used to right away over at Oracle Park. Uh, so what have you thought seeing him out there? And I'm sure you've seen other outfielders kind of have a little struggle because it, it's so hard with the, you know, the big gap, triples alley and the wind and everything that goes on over there.
0: Absolutely. I, I think first of all, you have to give credit to, to Bryant with how versatile he is. I mean, you can play the guy virtually anywhere. You could put him in all three outfield positions. You could play in the third base. You could really even put him at first base if you needed to. Um, but that, that right field at Oracle Park, I remember watching Nate Shearholz, who in my opinion was the best right fielder uh, that the Giants had at formerly AT&T Park because he played those caroms off the brick wall perfectly. Yes. He had seen them enough times. He knew that where the ball was going to go over his head, where he needed to uh, adjust himself for where it was going to kick, and that just takes time and reps. And he had so, mon- so many games and opportunities to play out there over his career that he just got really, really good at it. Um, and it, it takes time, unfortunately. You can't just give uh, KB one time in the outfield and say, hey, look, if the ball hits here, this is where you got to stand. Especially in the moment when the game is going on, things happen very quickly. So over time and the more he plays out there in right field, he'll obviously get better. He's an athletic guy. But uh, what people sometimes don't realize is just how different and how um, unpredictable the ball can come off the brick or the, the fence or where it's going to roll. Um, so it, it just takes time reps out there, and over time, as he gets more and more of them, I think we'll worry less and less about having him out there.
1: Oh, yeah, and I agree about Sherholz, Man, he was really good in right field, and remember when Travis Ishikawa was thrown out into left field in the postseason in 2014? You know, of course, he had that dramatic home run that sent the Giants to the World Series, but that had to be scary for him and everybody, because there's a guy who really hadn't played in the outfield. All of a sudden, they need his bat in the lineup, and they need him in left field, and he really hadn't played out there.
0: Uh, you, you're right, and I, you know, the good thing about the guys that we're talking about, though, these guys are all athletes, you know, and and what what you have to give credit to is a guy like, you know, Ron Wotus, who will go out there and he'll hit fly balls over his head and he'll watch them, in the he'll hit them in the corner to see where they carry them. He'll hit them over his head a little bit left, a little bit right, to see which way they're gonna um, bounce off the wall. And the fact that you can do that a couple times, then go in a Major League Baseball game and be serviceable uh, in in that position is actually really impressive. And you got to give credit to the player and to the guys like Lotus and the coaches who are getting these guys ready. All right, we talked a lot about
1: chemistry with the San Francisco Giants. On the other side of it, you see the Padres, and they had some infighting going on the other day in the dugout. It was uh, Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr., you know, kind of going at each other because Machado was, uh, you know, telling Tatis, uh, you know, not to react so much, I guess, to the umpire. And, uh, you know, sometimes those things are okay for a team. They kind of, you know, they battle each other a little bit and they get through it. What what do you think about it? And, you know, this late in the season when you're trying to press and get into the postseason like the Padres are, uh, those emotions, do you think it'll be a positive or a negative for them?
0: Well, you know, I think first of all, what kind of when those situations happen, I think they get blown out of proportion, or they—I should say—they can get blown out of proportion by what the media makes them out to be. Um, you know, a buddy of mine is on that team, not going to name names, but I asked him what had happened there, and he, you know, he said that actually Machado was trying to be the bigger guy and teach Tatis um, not to act like that, and maybe learn a little bit from what Machado had uh, done earlier in his career. And I think the maturation process kind of hit has hit Machado and now he's trying to be a leader and all we saw was a little bit of an altercation between teammates but in fact I think what it actually was was him trying to be like hey look like we have a game to play we have stuff going on and that's kind of what it looked like from me watching it but when you read some of the things that are being said out there you know the the, the controversy slash turmoil headline is way sexier than you know Machado trying to show tatista reigns or something like that that's not as kind of sexy to read about but Um, I definitely think that with where San Diego is in their season and where they were expected to be, Anything that happens that can kind of get a quick headline or get a quick read is going to be blown a little bit more out of proportion than what it actually was.
1: Yeah, I mean, apparently what was heard was it's not about you and go play baseball is what Machado was saying, which actually, yeah, that would be a good lesson. The only problem I have with Machado is that there have been many times where he doesn't run out ground balls or fly balls. And I know there's a whole conversation there about conserving energy in a long season and all that, but... I don't know, for old schoolers like me, it just bothers me when I see a guy not run out of ground ball. I, I guess I think everybody should be like Derek Jeter or or Eric Burns. You know, you watch those guys run out of ground ball, and it was like the end of the world if they weren't going to get to first base. You know, it is a little different. Everybody's trying to preserve their body, so I, I guess I have to give them a little bit of a break.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, if you hit a routine ground ball to, to second base, I don't think 110% out of the box is necessary. You know, <laughs> I think you have to give a good – you know, fast jog to first base, make it look like you're giving an effort. And I think that's all that is expected. You know what I mean? You just don't want to look like you get a quarter of the way down the line then you kind of veer off and and go to the dugout. I, I, I do agree with that. I think making it look like an effort is being given is the most important part. And, you know, we're also talking about some of these kids nowadays who are getting to the big leagues, very young, they're making a lot of money from an early age and, you know, that's where I think the veteran players come in very, very uh, handily when they can show them the ropes a little bit. Like, hey, you look bad if you don't run this out or you look bad when you act like this. So um, I think that's a, a really big relationship that's very important is between those, those young superstar type players and the veteran guys who have been a lo- around a, lot of to- a long time and kind of command the respect uh, for playing the game as, as long as they have.
1: All right, the final subject here is kind of a tough one, George. The Arizona Fall League is mandating vaccinations. Now, that's not Major League Baseball, but you wonder if that's going to happen in Major League Baseball in spring training. Now, we saw with the Giants where Alex Wood uh, ended up with COVID and missed some time, and he has declined to reveal whether or not he had the vaccination. But, you know, it does uh, bring about a little bit of an uncomfortable situation for people to to talk about and think about, and Major League Baseball is going to have to Uh, you know, take this head on, uh, Players Association and Major League Baseball, it's going to have to be figured out whether or not they have uh, mandates as far as vaccinations. You want everybody to be healthy, but uh, there's a whole controversy in the United States right now. How do you see this playing out in Major League Baseball, number one? And number two, as a teammate of Alex Wood, do you think some of those teammates, you know, look at that and say, man, we wish we didn't uh, have you out for that amount of time? And, uh, you know, if you didn't have the vaccination, do they look down on that?
0: You know, wow! It's it's definitely uh, that. What what a question! or loads of questions. You know what? What I what what I can see happening, and kind of just to to give a quick little tidbit on that, is um, you know I I do think that people should be allowed to do what they would like with their own body first and foremost, whether it's on one side or the other. Um, Second of all, I think that Major League Baseball will, I think, go down a similar path that the NFL has uh, has done, and what my understanding with the NFL is they will not be uh, mandating vaccinations. Um, So I think most of the major sports in the United States, I think will kind of go that route. I I believe that the NBA has also said that they will not be um, mandating uh, vaccinations for players as well. So I would imagine MLB will be following suit in that regard. Uh, but I also think that, you know, some people are going to have some choices to make. And w- whichever side of the aisle they choose to go on that choice, you just have to deal with the with the consequences. And I think that'll that'll be, uh, you know, maybe yet to be seen as to how it's going to go.
1: Well, that's a great answer. And then what about Alex Wood? If you're his teammate, uh, you, you, you know, I guess some people react in different ways. It, it was a bummer that he was out. But, again, we don't even know if he was vaccinated or not. Some people who were vaccinated, like Donovan Solano, Uh, You know, he ended up on the COVID list, even though he is vaccinated. So, I mean, this is a tough question for players and and how you even view one of your teammates.
0: You know, I I, I personally respect everyone's, uh, you know, free will to choose how they, you know, want to approach their own lives. Um, You know, I, regardless of kind of a decision that I made and if somebody else was making that same decision, it's, you know, it doesn't. Uh, it's just a tough question because you have to really respect everyone's ability to choose kind of what, what they'd like to do, how they'd like to live their lives. But um, you know, I, I would respect his decision and you move on. What can you do? You know, he made the decision. That's the card that was dealt. That was a situation that came about. And then you, you know, you move on from it.
1: I'll tell you one thing, it is huge to have him back because with him out, I mean, those bullpen games, I mean this for the postseason, you got to have Alex Wood. I mean, he has been so clutch, when the Giants have lost a game, they almost always win when he's on the mound after that. So, I mean, the timing of him coming back is really important.
0: I absolutely agree. He's the guy that they signed for this exact reason, who can who can be a stopper when they need a stopper, who can go in and pitch in big situations because he's done it before. Um, so I think that uh, having him in whatever capacity he's going to pitch in moving forward, and I think we'll start seeing everything shape up um, in the next kind of week or so, but uh yeah, I think that having him out there and having the ability to be as much of a competitor as he is um, will only pay huge dividends for the Giants in the postseason.
1: And Solano, how about that home run he hits right off the COVID list? I mean, literally, he's right off the COVID list. He comes up as a pitch hitter and he hits a home run that ties the game. And it's just ridiculous. That's the kind of stuff that's happened all year.
0: Yeah, off of off of our good friend Will Smith as well. That's right. Uh, <laughs> going even more than that. But, it's you know, it's great to see guys coming back and having uh, immediate you know, electrification to the lineup. That's exactly what you want. That's what Solano has proven he can do over the past couple of seasons. And it's great that he uh, came back and bounced back in a really, really big way.
1: All right, George, the next time I talk to you, it's going to be postseason time. Cannot wait for that. These last two weeks are going to be very exciting. Enjoy it and uh, look forward to talking to you again. And thank you very much for answering the hard question there at the end that I threw a curveball, and you, uh, you hit it just like uh, Kevin Gosman. You made contact, and uh, you, know, you got more than a sack fly. I think you had it, hit it out of the ballpark.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to uh, talking about it, too, and hopefully these Giants can, can eke this division out and have a little bit less stress on themselves going into the NLDS, but whichever way it goes, it'll definitely be exciting.
1: That's former Giants relief pitcher George Contos. Join us again next week for another edition of Inside China Basin. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network.